Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Thursday, and welcome to The Daily with Silstein through Anchor FM. I hope you're having a great afternoon, and I'm glad you're joining me today. I hope you get to listen to this third part of F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. Now, for those of you that have not tuned in to the other two episodes, let me go back and read you a little bit about F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald was born in St. Paul, Minnesota in 1896. He attended Princeton University, joined the United States Army during World War I, and published his first novel, This Side of Paradise, in 1920. That same year, he married Zelda Zaire, and for the next decade, the couple lived in New York, Paris, and on the French, or Riviera, which is part of uh, France. Fitzgerald's novels include The Beautiful and Damned, The Great Gatsby, and Tender is the Night. He died, unfortunately, at the age of 44 while working on The Last Tycoon. Fitzgerald's fiction has secured his reputation as one of the most important American writers of the 20th century. Now, if you have not read The Great Gatsby, it's a true classic of 20th century literature. This edition has been updated to include the author's final revisions a personal forward by his granddaughter, Eleanor Lanahan, a new introduction by two-time book award winner, Jasmine Ward, and a note of the, on the composition and text by editor and Fitzgerald scholar James L. W. West III. Now, I've been reading about uh, this book, and uh, let me get to the note on the text a little bit that um, was written by... Uh, composition and text by editor and Fitzgerald scholar James L. W. West III. F. Scott Fitzgerald began work on The Great Gatsby in the late spring of 1922. In a June 20 letter to Maxwell Perkins, his editor at Charles Scribner's Sons, he envisioned a story with a Catholic element set in Middle West and New York of 1885. Fitzgerald set down a partial draft of this narrative in 1922 and 1923, but was not satisfied with what he had written. He scrapped the material, salvaging only a short story called Absolution. He reconceived the novel in the spring of 1924, setting it now in a fictional version of Great, of great Neck, Long Island, where he and his wife and daughters were living. He continued to work on the novel in France during that summer and fall, and on October 27, put a complete typescript in the transatlantic mail to Perkins. The text was typeset at the Scholar Press on West 42nd Street. Proofs were pulled and mailed to Fitzgerald in December 1924, partly in reaction to suggestions from Perkins and Partially on his own, Fitzgerald virtually rewrote his novel in proof. He moved material around, canceled passages, invented fresh dialogue, wrote new paragraphs of description, and brought his prose to a high polish. In this revision, Fitzgerald turned a sharp, well-written novel of manners, the version he had sent initially to Perkins, into a masterpiece. He also settled on a title, The Great Gatsby. After having considered several working titles among the Ash Heaps and Millionaires, 
Trimalchio in West Deck, Gold had it Gatsby, the high-bouncing lover and on the road to West Deck. The Great Gatsby was published by Scribner on April 10th of 1925. Most of the reviews were positive, but sales were disappointing. The novel had a small readership during the late 1920s and early 1930s, but by 1940, the year of Fitzgerald's death, its sales had all but ceased. The Great Gatsby was reissued by Scribner in 1941 and began to win a following among teachers and scholars. It has since become a classic, probably the most widely read novel written by an, by an American in the 20th century. The text of this edition is that of the Varorium Gatsby to be published by Cambridge University Press in 2019. The Varor... The Varorium, sorry, based on the 1925 first edition, set forth the publication history of the novel and establishes an authoritative text with fully scholarly apparatus. That's what happens when I don't have my glasses. Sorry about that. The Varorium is backed by hand and machine collections of the first edition against 14 subsequent British and American edition, American editions. The Varorium text and the Scribner text incorporate changes in the printing plates that were ordered by Fitzgerald. Both texts include Fitzgerald's final revisions, marked by him, into his personal copy, which survives among his papers at Princeton University. So there, that's a lot, you know, going on with this book. Obviously, The Great Gatsby is a work of fiction. No attempt has been made to correct errors in fact, geography, or chronologically in the text. Fitzgerald was a romantic fa- uh, fabulist, not a realist. His writings do not need to be absolutely congruent with reality. For further particulars, the reader should consult the forthcoming barrarium together with edition from Cambridge of the extant manuscript and of an intermediate version called Trimalchio, named for a character in the Satyrican of Petronius. A full set of annotations identifying persons, places, literary works, and historical events is included with the most recent Scrivener ebook of The Great Gatsby. Fitzgerald's handwritten manuscript and his working proofs, both of which are fascinating to study, are presented as full-color digital scans on the website of the Department of Rare Books and Special Collections, Princeton University Library. And this is all from the notes taken by James L. W. West III, General Editor, the Cambridge edition of the works of F. Scott Fitzgerald. So I hope that you'll check out this book. This was... um, It's the one that says F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. And then it's, it says edited by James L. West III. And this, uh, the copyright was made in 1925 by Charles Scribner's sons. They're the ones that took it out. But the Scribner trade paperback edition was published in April of 2018. So um, I thought that that was important. And we'll be right back to read more of 
F. Scott Fitzgerald on this author spotlight, third part of F. Scott Fitzgerald to Great Gatsby. And this is The Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily with Sil Stein on Anchor FM, uh, through Anchor FM. And thank you for joining me for this author spotlight on F. F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. Now, um, I love, this is one of the books, one of my favorite books that I've, I read. And uh, that along with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, there's many other books that, you know, that transformed me. Um, and I loved that I got to read it. And uh, I'm using right now the AKG microphone, so I'm really excited about that. The other day I had an issue. I couldn't really do it because I have kids in the in the house. And sometimes this mic is so good, it picks up everything. So I do apologize if there is background noise, but I hope that you're enjoying um, learning more about it. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm sure most of you know who he is, but in case you don't, um, I hope that you're liking this segment of The Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM, author spotlight on F. Scott Fitzgerald. Sorry. Goodness, I keep mispronouncing words. Now, his birthday is coming up, September 24th, 1896. That's when he was born. Sadly, he died on December 21st, 1940. He was only 44 years old. He died in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. And sadly, he did die of a heart attack. So, unfortunately, yes, his life was very brief. Or, um, and but he did leave a, a trajectory of work. Uh, there's other books he has written: "Tender Is the Night," "This Side of Paradise," "The Beautiful and the Dam." And he was working on the Last Tycoon when he passed away. But he also wrote many, many short stories. Among them is the most famous is "The Curious Case of Benjamin Button." which became a movie with Brad Pitt. So I hope you'll check out all the trajectory that is of, uh, that belongs to F. Scott Fitzgerald and his wife, Zelda Zare, or Zelda Fitzgerald, I believe she was also a writer. Um, and uh, she wrote books as well. Uh, Save Me, The Waltz, Dear Scott, Dearest, uh, collected writings she has a lot and I, I believe there was a series with Christina Ricci where she played uh I think on Amazon where she played uh the famous Zelda Fitzgerald so a lot of people you know thought she was a really good writer as well some even said she was the better writer but for me I you know I've always had a uh I think my favorite writer has always been one of the my favorite writers has always been F. Scott Fitzgerald so um, I, I guess I sort of had a bias on that. <laughs> but anyway, but that's just my own opinion. But moving on, we're going to start. I'm going to go ahead and read some of Chapter 5 on the paperback book that I have that was republished, the paperback, on April 2018. As I said before, this is The Daily with Sil Stein on Anchor FM. I am uh, Sylvia Stein, author Sylvia Stein of The Daily with Sil Stein. So uh, let me see here. And happy Thursday. I hadn't had a chance to tell you guys that. 
um, and it's the Scribner Trade Paperback Edition. So, let me go ahead and read you Chapter 5. When I came home to West Deck, and this is Nick Carraway narrating the story, as I had said before. When I came home to West Deck that night, I was afraid for a moment that my house was on fire. Two o'clock and the whole corner of the peninsula was blazing with light, which fell unread on the shrubbery and made thin elongating glints upon the roadside wires. Turning a corner, I saw that it was Gatsby's house lit from tower to cellar. At first, I thought it was another party, a wild rout that had resolved itself into hide-and-go-seek or sardines in the box with all the house thrown open to the game. But there wasn't a sound. Let's see here. Only wind in the trees, which blew the wires and made the lights go off and on again as if the house had winked into the darkness. As my taxi groaned away, I saw Gatsby walking toward me across his lane. Your place looks like the World's Fair, I said. Does it? He turned his eye toward it absently. absently. Another adverb there. I have been glancing into some of the rooms. Let's go to Coney Island, old sport, in my car. It's too late. Well, suppose we take a plunge in the swimming pool. I haven't made use of of it all summer. I've got to go to bed. All right. He waited, looking at me with suppressed eagerness. I talked with Miss Baker. I said after a moment, I'm going to call up Daisy tomorrow and invite her over here to tea. Oh, that's all right, he said carelessly. I don't want to put you to any trouble. What, what day would suit you? What day would suit you, he corrected me quickly. I don't want to put you to any trouble, you see. How about the day after tomorrow? He considered for a moment, then with reluctance. I want to get the grass cut, he said. We both looked at the grass. There was a sharp line where my rag lawn ended and the darker, well-kept expanse of his began. I suspected that he meant my grass. There's another little thing, he said uncertainly and hesitated. Would you rather put it off for a few days, I asked. Oh, it isn't about that, at least. He fumbled with a series of beginnings. Why, I thought, why, look here, old sport. You don't make much money, do you? Not very much. This seemed to reassure him, and he continued more confidently. I thought you didn't. If you'll pardon my... You see, I carry on a little business on the side, a sort of sideline, you understand? And I thought that if you don't make very much, you're selling bonds, aren't you, old sport? Trying to. Well, this would interest you. It wouldn't take up much of your time, and you might pick up a nice bit of money. It happens to be a rather confidential sort of thing. I realize now that under different circumstances that conversation might have been one of the crises of my life, but because the offer was obviously and and tactlessly for a service to be rendered, I had no choice except to cut him off there. I got my hands full, I said. I'm much, I'm much obliged, but I couldn't take on another any more work. You wouldn't have to do any business with Wolfsheim. Evidently, he thought that I was shying away from the gonagation mentioned at lunch, but I assured him he was wrong. He waited a moment longer, 
hoping I'd begin a conversation, but I was too absorbed to be responsive, so he went unwillingly home. The evening had made me lightheaded and happy. I think I walked into a deep sleep as I entered my my front door. So I don't know whether or not Gatsby went to Coney Island or for how many hours he glanced into my rooms. While his house blazed gaudily on, I called up Daisy from the office next morning and invited her to come to tea. Don't bring Tom, I warned her. What? Don't bring Tom. Who is Tom? Who is Tom, she asked innocently. The day agreed upon was pouring rain. At 11 o'clock, a man in a raincoat dragging a lawnmower tapped at my front door and said that Mr. Gatsby had sent him over to cut my grass. This reminded me reminded me that I had forgotten to tell my Finn to come back, so I drove into West Egg Village to search for her among soggy whitewashed alleys and to buy some cups and lemons and flowers. The flowers were unnecessary, for at 2 o'clock, a greenhouse arrived from Gatsby's with innumerable receptacles to contain it. An hour later, the front door opened nervously, and Gatsby, in a white flannel suit, silver shirt, and gold-colored tie, heard in. He was pale, and there were dark signs of sleeplessness, sleeplessness beneath his eyes. Is everything all right? he asked immediately. The grass looks fine, if that's what you mean. What grass? he inquired blankly. Oh, the grass in the yard. He looked out the window at it, but judging from his expression, I don't believe he saw a thing. Looks very good, he remarked vaguely. One of the papers said they thought the rain would stop about four. I think it was the... Give me a second here. I think it was the journal. Have you gotten... Have you got everything you need in the shape of a... Of tea... I took him into the pantry where he looked at a little reproachfully at the fin. Together we scrutinized the 12 lemon cakes from the delicatessen shop. Will they do, I asked? Of course, of course, they're fine. And he added hollowly, old sport. The rain cooled about half past three to a damp mist through which occasional thin drops swam like dew. Gatsby looked with vacant eyes through a copy of Clay's Economics. Staring at the finished tread that shook the kitchen floor and peering toward the bleared windows from time to time as if a series of invisible but alarming happenings were taking place outside, finally he got up and informed me in a certain uncertain voice that he was going home. Why is that? Nobody's coming to tea. It's too late. He looked at his watch so there was something pressing demand on his time elsewhere. I can't wait all day. Don't be silly. It's just two minutes to four. He sat down miserably as if he had pushed him. And simultaneously, there was the sound of a motor turning into my lane. We both jumped up and a little har- harrowed myself. I went out into the yard. Until the dripping bare lilacs trees, a large open car was coming up the drive. It stopped. Daisy's face tipped sideways beneath a three-cornered lavender hat looked out at me with a bright, ecstatic smile. Is this obviously where you live, my dearest one? The exhilarating ripple of her voice was a wild tonic in the rain. 
I had to follow the sec the sound of it for a moment, up and down, with my ear alone, before any words came through. A damp streak of hair lay like a dash of blue paint across the cheek, and her hand was wet with glistening drops as I took it to help her from the car. Are you in love with me? She said in, said low in my ear. Or why did I have to come alone? That's the secret of Castle Ragrent. Tell your chauffeur to go far away and spend an hour. Come back in an hour, Ferdy. Then in some then in a grave murmur, his name is Ferdy. Does the gasoline 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 affect his nose? I don't think so, she said innocently. Why? We went in. To my overwhelming surprise, the living room was dis- deserted. Well, that's funny, I explained. What's funny? She turned her head as there was a light, dignified knock, knocking at the front door. I went out and opened it. Gatsby, pale as death, with his hands plunged like weights in his coat pockets, was standing in a puddle of water, glaring tragically into my eyes. With his hands still in his coat pockets, he stalked by me into the hall, turned sharply as if he were on a wire, and disappeared into the living room. It wasn't a bit funny. Aware of the loud beating of my own heart, I pulled the door to to against the increasing rain. For half a minute, there wasn't a a sound. Then from the living room, I heard a sort of choking murmur and part of a laugh, followed by Daisy's voice on a clear artificial note. I certainly am glad. I, I certainly am awfully glad to see you again. A pause. It endured horribly. It had nothing to do in the hall, so I went into the room. Gatsby, his hands still in his pockets, was reclining against a mantelpiece in a strained counterfeit of perfect ease, even of boredom. His head leaned back so far that it rested against the face of a defunct mantelpiece clock, and from this position his distraught eyes stared down at Daisy, who was sitting frightened but graceful on the edge of a stiff chair. "'We've met before,' muttered Gatsby. His eyes glanced momentarily at me, and his lips parted with an abortive attempt at a laugh. Luckily, the clock took his moment to tilt dangerously at the pressure of of his head, whereupon he turned and caught it with trembling fingers and set it back in place. Then he sat down rigidly, his elbow on the arm of the sofa and his chin in his hand. I'm sorry about the clock, he said. My own face had now assumed a deep tropical burn. I couldn't muster up a single commonplace out of the thousand in my head. It's an old clock, I told him idiotically. I think we all believe for a moment that it has smashed in pieces on the floor. We haven't met for many years, said Daisy, her voice as matter-of-fact as it could ever be. Five years next November. The automatic quality of Gatsby's answer set us all back at least another minute. I had then, I had them both on their feet with their, the desperate suggestions that they help me make tea in the kitchen when the demonic Finn brought it on a tray. Amid the welcome confusion of cups and cakes, a certain physical decency established itself. Gatsby got himself into a shadow, and while Daisy and I talked, looked consci- conscientiously from one 
to the other of us with tense, unhappy eyes. However, as calmness wasn't an end in itself, I made an excuse at the first possible moment and got to my feet. Where are you going? demanded Gatsby in an immediate alarm. I'll be back. I've got to speak to you about something before you go. He followed me wildly in the kitchen, closed the door, and whispered, Oh God, in a miserable way. What's the matter? This is a terrible mistake, he said, shaking his head from side to side. A terrible, terrible mistake. You're just embarrassed, that's all. And luckily, I added, Daisy's embarrassed too. She's embarrassed, he repeated incredulously, just as much as you are. Don't talk so loud. You're acting like a little boy, I broke out impatiently. Not only that, but you're rude. Daisy's sitting in there all alone. He raised his hand to stop my words, looked up with unforgettable reproach, and opening the door cautiously, went back into the other room. So, I hope you've enjoyed this reading of The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This is the interaction between Gatsby and Daisy. And I'm going to read a little bit more when we get back to wrap it up, and I'll give some news. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM. And now I'm going to read you the last part of going to read of the author's spotlight on F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. And I know, you know, I should read more of it, but I want to read, you know, the first initial reaction between Daisy and, and, um, of course, uh, Jay Gatsby. But um, I I hope you've enjoyed this reading of this author's spotlight of Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. I hope to do more of that with other books. So uh, this is the wrap-up, and I'm going to read this last section and then give some announcements. I walk, And thank you for joining me. Happy Thursday here on The Daily with Silstein through Anchor FM. I walked out the back way just as Gatsby had when he had made his nervous circuit of the house half an hour before and ran for a huge black knotted tree whose messed leaves made a fabric against the rain. Once more, it was pouring, and my irregular lawn, well shaped by Gatsby's gardener, abounded in small muddy swamps and prehistoric marshes. There was nothing to look at from under the tree except Gatsby's enormous house, so I stared at it like Cant at his church steeple for half an hour. A brewer had built built it early in the period craze a decade before, and there was a story that he'd agreed to pay five years' taxes on all the neighboring cottages if the owners would have their roofs stashed with straw. Perhaps their refusal took the heart out of his plan to found a family. He went into another immediate decline. His children sold his house with a black reef still on the door. Americans, while occasionally willing to be serfs, have always been obstinate about being uh, about being peasantry. After half an hour, the sun shone again, and the grocer's automobile rounded Gatsby's drive with a raw material for his servant's dinner. I felt sure he wouldn't eat a spoonful. A maid began opening the upper windows of his house, peered momentarily in each. Leaning from a large central bay, spat meditative 
meditatively into the garden. It was time I went back. While the rain continued, it had seemed like the murmur of their voices rising and swelling a little now and then with gusts of emotion. But in the new silence, I felt that silence had fallen within the house too. I went in after making every possible noise in the kitchen, short of pushing over the stove, but I don't believe they heard a sound. They were sitting at either end of the couch, looking at each other as if, as if some question had been asked or was in the air, and every vestige of embarrassment was gone. Daisy's face was smeared or smitted with tears, and when I came in, she jumped up and began wiping at it with her handkerchief before a mirror. There was a change in Gatsby that was simply confounding. He literally glowed with a word or a gesture of exultation. A new well-beginning, well-being radiated from him and filled the little room. Oh, hello, old sport, he said, as if he hadn't seen me for years. I thought for a moment he was going to shake hands. It's stopping, it stopped raining, has it? When he realized what I was talking about, that they were twinkle bells of sunshine in the room, he smiled like a weatherman, like an ecstatic patron of turbulent light, and repeated the news to Daisy. What do you think of that? It's stopped raining. I'm glad, Jay, her throat full of aching, grieving beauty, told only of her unexpected joy. I want you and Daisy to come over to my house, he said. I'd like to show her around. You're sure you want me to come? Absolutely, old sport. Daisy went upstairs to wash her face. Too late, I thought, with humiliation of my towels, while Gatsby and I waited on the lawn. My house looks well, doesn't it? He demanded. And says, see how the whole front of it catches the light. I agreed that it was splendid. Yes, his eyes went over it. Every eight door, arch door, sorry, and square tower. It took me just three years to earn the money that bought it. I thought you inherited your money. I did, old sport, he said automatically. But I lost more of it in the big panic, the panic of the war. I think he hardly knew what he was saying. But when I asked him what business he was in, he answered, that's my affair, before he realized that it wasn't an appropriate reply. Well, I've been in several things, he corrected himself. I was in the drug business, and then I was in the old oil business, but I'm not in either now. He looked at me with more attention. Do you mean you've been thinking over what I proposed the other night? Before I could answer, Daisy came out of the house, and two rows of brass buttons on her dress gleamed in the sunlight. That huge place there, she cried, pointing. Do you like it? I love it, but I don't see how you live there all alone. I keep it always full of interesting people, night and day. People who do interesting things, celebrated people. Instead of taking the shortcut along the sound, we went down to the road and entered by the big postern with enchanting murmurs. Daisy admired the, the aspect or that of the feudal silhouette against the sky, admired the gardens, the sparkling odor of jonquils, and the frothy odor of hawthorn and plum blossoms, and the pale gold odor of kiss me at the gate. It was strange to teach the marble steps and 
to reach the marble steps and find no stir of bright dresses in and out of the door and hear no sound but bird voices in the trees. So that is a wrap up on The Great Gatsby. I may uh, do another segment of it maybe later next week, but I hope you've enjoyed this segment of of. F. Scott Fitzgerald's most famous book. I hope you'll read it. If you have comments on it, let me know. Because the interaction between Daisy and Gatsby, where they meet, and I'll probably do another segment maybe next week to cover, you know, where the relationship goes. But a lot of you have, you know, should read the book if you have not already. Tell me what you like, what you didn't like about it. There's a lot of things that happen between Daisy and and Jay. And the, and the things that, and then of course there's Tom, her husband, her philandering husband. And uh, there's a lot of things and Nick gets caught in the middle. So there's a lot to say about this book. So I hope you've enjoyed this segment of The Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM uh, through, uh, through Anchor FM. So anyway, uh, but I hope you've enjoyed this segment of, of The Daily with Silstein. Uh, with the author spotlight on F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. Now, some announcements. I will be doing more shows of The Daily Whistle Stein on Anchor FM. I want to let you know tomorrow I have a wonderful interview with an amazing author, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing her name. Uh, Her name is, let's see, I want to make sure we're saying it correctly. Okay, let's see here. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, her name is Donna Trovato, author Donna Trovato. I work with her uh, in the advertising team. She's the one that heads our advertising team. She's a wonderful editor, writer, everything. She has a new book coming out. She's going to tell us all about that tomorrow through the Daily Whistle Stein on Anchor FM. And of course, we now presents the Coffee Chronicles, so I'll, I'll be. Uh, I'm very excited about that to have her. So very excited to have another author interview tomorrow with a debut author, Donna Lovato. Her book is almost going to be out, and I'm so glad that I get to interview her tomorrow. So please join me on the Daily Whistle Stein on Anchor, through Anchor FM, and I'll, and the uh, podcast will be available through. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, so many platforms. So you get to download it for free. And uh, if you decide you want to um, donate anything to the podcast, there is ways that you can support the podcast. And it'll tell you on the Apple Podcast site or through uh, Anchor FM. So check out ways you can support the podcast if you decide to. But if they are the episodes, you can download them for free. I hope to bring you more interviews coming up with different authors as well. But on my own author news, I finally submitted my manuscript of Battered Mind. I will, uh, my editor is going to look at it in December. And hopefully by next year, Battered Mind will be here. I will hopefully be publishing my next book. I am thinking about writing another kind of romance love story for the holidays, maybe for Christmas or maybe early next year. Um, It's um, on the characters of Chasing Clarity, Mia and Henry. It's a short story, nothing very long, but I'm still debating on how to do that. So I will keep you posted. For those of you that love Chasing Clarity, there's a lot of new readers that have read Chasing Clarity and they're really, really taken by Mia's story and what she went through and, and Henry 
which is another main character of that story. So I hope you, if you have not read my book, Chasing Clarity, uh, you can understand it more when you read it. So I hope you'll check that out. Also, I wanted to give some news in regards to my Coffee Chronicles. I'm happy to report for a while I've been doing the Coffee Chronicles and I have added uh, the phrase because it all begins with coffee. And I love uh, I love my take on that and that's why the podcast got upgraded. I got this new equipment. Um, the goal is to do uh, to have more segments about coffee and and include those and include the different flavors that you like and all of that. And I'll be adding those on hopefully in the next few months. But I'm happy to report that I have worked on trademarking the Coffee Chronicles because it all begins with coffee. I have done that and we are, uh, my husband and I are happy to say that they are, they have approved it. They they have filed it. Now we just got to go through the, the, you know, the, the next stages, but we're very happy that I was able to get that done, and, and I couldn't have done it without my husband, of course, my children, and God, of course, because I have a lot of faith in God and my family. So I'll let you know what the next stages are for that, but I wanted to let you know that, yes, we have worked on, I never planned to, it just happened to, you know, work, and uh, my husband kept telling me, you know, you should try to trademark that, and went for it, and got the news it took has taken a few months almost like i think it started july or june or july and we just heard back so you know everything takes time so i'm not in a real rush but i am happy to say that that has been made possible so um and i'll have more segments more news and i hope that you'll continue checking my insta stories and the podcast and i'm very happy to have been here today to share an author spotlight on one of my favorite books uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby. And I hope you'll, if you have not checked out the books by F. Scott Fitzgerald, I hope you will do that. And I hope you all have a very amazing and happy Thursday. Sorry for the background noise. Like I said, I have children that have school and sometimes they forget or they pretend like they didn't hear that I said that I don't want any noise. And this microphone picks up everything. It's an AKG microphone and I hope it sounds really clear. I hope you all have a blessed Thursday. Enjoy this podcast. Please download it and uh, please join me again tomorrow for my author interview or show with an amazing debut author, uh, Donna Travato. And have a most amazing rest of your Thursday. Thank you for joining me on the Daily Whistle, Stein on Anchor FM. And of course, now we include the Coffee Chronicles because it all begins with coffee. Have a most blessed one.